Good to be together again. Thank you again for joining us this morning. I'm going to get right into the sermon a little bit here. Uh, as we weather this current storm, I'm going to talk about this situation a little bit. And I believe that what we're experiencing in this in society, in this pandemic, is, is unique to our generation. Uh, we've never experienced this type of thing before, and I'm not talking about the virus itself. I'm talking about the reaction that has come from the virus. I'm not here to criticize the response. I'm not here to say, don't do it or do it. I'm just saying that the response that we've seen is little, it's unique to our time. Now, I'm not an end time scholar. I don't pretend to be one. But I do know some of the things that the Bible says is going to happen in those times. And sometimes when you read Revelation or you read Daniel, you think some of those things are really outlandish. Almost, almost science fiction when you read them. And you think that that's never going to happen. Things we thought years ago or decades ago were, if they ever happened, it'd be many, many years in the future and dystopian future. But what we're seeing right now is kind of a taste of what the Bible actually says is going to happen. Now, if you were around in the 30s or you study history, you know depression, the depression. We've never had a shortage of food and a shortage of supplies like we have right now. Grocery stores are telling people to line up and get in order, letting a certain number of people get into time, letting the older folks shop first, all because of what's going on. Now, we may think that this is a, re a reasonable request, and it, and it probably is, to stop spread the virus. But I want us to look at how fast this went from zero to 100 in just a matter of days. And it did that without a whole lot of study, a whole lot of testing. Uh, it was kind of a, just a reaction to what's going in. Government stepped in with a few days, help in the media, uh, mass confusion ensued, panic and knee-jerk reactions took place. And, and as I was thinking about this, I, I love the quote that Reagan had back in the day, one of my favorite presidents. He said this. He said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I quote, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And now my point is not to rail against the problem or rail against the government or to defy these orders. But what we're looking at, do we see how quickly this type of thing can happen? Everyone just falling in step with what the government's telling them to do, and it seems reasonable, it seems logical. And when we see this, you're beginning to see that some of the things mentioned in Revelation now sound a little bit more plausible, now sound a little bit more realistic. My point today is to tell you that the things that God told us were going to happen in what we think is the future is happening right now. It's on the doorstep right now of our lives. And we can see from what's happening now how quickly and how easily this stuff can happen without us even really thinking about it. I'm going to read Revelation 13.5. It says this, Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. Talking about the Antichrist. Now, I don't think he's here yet, but how often do we hear leaders, elected officials, people in positions of power, celebrities, blaspheme God without any kind of impunity, you know? The verse goes on and says, and he was given authority to do what he wanted. The leaders, the beast was allowed to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. Right now in this crisis, we and other countries have allowed our elected officials, quote, unlimited power to, to quote, help us in this situation, in this, in this crisis. Talking about the one world government for a second. This was the pre-step to that. 
Remember the European Union when it was formed several years ago? Now, the UK just got out of it. But when it was formed, there's a lot of talk about it being the, the forerunner to a one-world government. All the countries in the European Union were coming together under one unaccountable central authority in, in Europe. And they had the one currency, the, the euro, that was used throughout all these countries as one unison. How does a one-world government happen? How does this take place? Well, it takes place with the advent of a crisis. A crisis makes people fear the consequences of the crisis, so they will do anything to avoid the consequence of the, uh, of the crisis. Now, I saw this quote the other day. I thought it was great. And it says this, World War II generation, quote, we will die before we give up any of our freedom. This generation says, quote, we will give up every one of our freedoms before we risk dying. You see the, the difference there? The Antichrist is going to first appear as one willing to help, wanting to help. Many are going to believe him. Why is he going to say this? Because it's for the good of the public. Everything he wants to do is going to be for a benefit. It's going to be a reaction to the crisis, and people are going to fall in right behind that. And if we don't think people are going to follow that type of person, we're sadly mistaken because it's actually happening right now. We follow the leaders who are put in front of us and we just take everything they say as gospel. Now, for a one world government to happen, they would first have to have the people in that country willingly surrender their freedoms. I read this from Life Press International. There's another article in the in the Guardian, European Guardian as well, it says this. Gordon Brown, who was both prime minister and leader of Britain's left-wing Labour Party from 27 to 2010, told British media that the world government he proposed would address the medical and financial crisis caused by COVID-19. It would direct efforts to find a vaccine for the virus, organize its production and purchase, and stop profiteers. It would also direct the response of the central banks protect emerging world markets, and, quote, agree to a joint approach to the use of government spending to boost growth. So they're already talking about it, using this crisis as a means to get everyone together, all on board, one, one big organization. Now, I'm going to give you an example. You may like it, you may not like it. I thought this was really, really good analogy. Now, and most of you know me, I'm a big Marvel movie guy. I like those movies. They're a nice release. Go out and just have fun watching movies. You know, they're science fiction. It's just great. But I saw this one, one of those movies, The Winter Soldier, if you're familiar with the movie. There's one section in there, and I, I keep re-watching this because I think it describes what's going on right now. Now, I'll give you a brief synopsis in the movie. You know, it's good versus evil in the movie. The organization is called Hydra. I'm going to replace that with Satan, okay, when we talk about this. But at the beginning, you see one of the, the leaders, the head leader of this, says this to Captain America. He says, in order to create a new world, you have to tear down the old one, and you make enemies. People aren't going to like that. I think that was said a couple years ago by then-President Obama. They're going to systematically remake our society. So gone later in the movie, when you see another bad guy talking to Captain America, and he says this, 
And he says this, I'm going to replace the word Hydra with Satan. It says, Satan realized that humanity could not be trusted with its own freedom. What we did, what we did not realize, is that if you try to take freedom, they resist. The war, and he's talking about World War II, taught us much. Humanity needed to surrender its freedom willingly. Hydra, or Satan, has been secretly feeding crisis, reaping wars, and when history did not cooperate, history was changed. How often have we seen history rewritten in our textbooks? Hydra or Satan created a world so chaotic that humanity is finally ready to sacrifice its freedom to gain its security. Once the security process is complete, the new world order will arise. That's a quote. That's, those are the script lines from the movie. It could almost be biblical because that's what's happening now. Did you ever think that the government, would, our government, would prohibit people from going anywhere? That you would have to have special permission to go to work, special permission to drive anywhere, that you had to have the government's approval to even open your business, that you had to have, quote, papers to be in public. Did you ever think that police would be sent to a church? And it happened in church in Louisiana, was having a service. The police went to the organization and to enforce the ban on meeting together. And they told that church, if they did it again, the National Guard was going to come and enforce the ban. America. Virginia governor closed all churches, made it illegal to go to church. Fines of $2,500 or 12 months in jail in America. Things that you thought weren't going to happen, happening right now. And I understand it's a crisis, but how willingly are we giving up our freedoms in order to prevent the crisis. You know what's not closed in Virginia? Abortion clinics, liquor stores. Why was this happening? Because of the crisis. Do you see how willingly we are to give up our freedoms in order to gain a little security? I'm gonna read this next verse out of Revelation and who doesn't see this coming anytime soon? Revelation 13, 16. He, again, the Antichrist, required everyone, great and small, rich and poor, slave and free, to be given a mark on the right hand or in the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. We know the mark of the beast, right? Either on your hand, on your forehead. I think it's not going to be a tattoo. I think it's going to be more of an implanted chip. The technology's been available for years. How many of us have chipped our pets, put a little chip in them, they get lost, vet scans it, and they know who they are. It's, it's available today. In fact, there's an article from 2017 Atlantic Monthly Magazine says this. As with most technologies, the tipping point for implantable chips will come when they become so useful, they're hard to refuse. In other words, you need to have it to buy food. It could happen sooner than you think. In September of 2017, Three Square Market Company launched, launched an offshoot company called Three Square Chip that is developing the next generation of commercial microchip implants with a slew of originative health features, make you feel healthy, that could serve as the best argument yet that the microchip's benefits can outweigh our anxieties about them. What I'm trying to get to here is the world is and is continuing to be primed for this stuff to take place 
what the Bible says is going to happen. The point is, the reality of of this happening is near. People are being primed for it. We see the potential of it happening right now in front of us. And when it begins, when this really begins, and we're seeing the, the beginnings of it now, but when it really takes place, that's the beginning of the tribulation. And that's going to be such devastation and pain and hardship as has never been seen on earth before. And that's what's coming. And if all these things are happening now in our view, imagine what's going to happen when Christ returns. Why do I think this is the tribulation right now? No, because the church isn't supposed to be in the tribulation. We will be gone before that happens. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we understand that there is nothing holding back the return of Christ, we're seeing it now. These things were all told to us, prophesied in the Bible, that were going to happen in the end times. And they're happening right now. We're losing the freedoms which allow us the next step to become part of the one world system. And it's happening right in front of our eyes. If that's happening now, Christ's return is really imminent. And if we knew it would happen tomorrow, I mean, if we knew, if God said it's going to happen tomorrow, what would you do differently? Would you change your lifestyle? Would you finally come to know Jesus as your Savior? Let me read something out of Matthew 24. Verse 36 says, No one knows about that day or hour when Christ returns, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Now, the Bible tells us that there are signs indicating of when Christ is going to return. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour. But he says, all these things are going to start happening to signal the return. And the things that we're seeing in the world right now are part of those signs. Now, if we knew Christ was coming back tomorrow, I asked you before, would you change anything? Our lives have to be matched up with what we say we believe. First John 3, 2 says this, Now, dear friends, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Look at this verse. Everyone who has this hope, that's us as believers, has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Is our life what God wants it to be? Now, we're not perfect. We're not sin-free. But is our life continuing to get better? Are we becoming more and more like Christ? Are we showing maturity in our Christian walk? The Bible says if we believe that Christ is returning, we need to make sure that our life is continuing to mature to that point. And given what's going on in the world today, we can no longer think that Christ's return is, is somewhere out in the distant future. It's eminent. It's no longer theoretical. It's no longer something that we're going to talk about 100 years from now. I believe Christ's return can happen at any moment. All things that have happened recently are simply confirmations of what the Bible has already told us is going to happen in these last days. And if it happens now even before the tribulation, 
we're that much closer to it happening. Well, as I said a decade, you know, I said it before, a decade ago, who'd have thought? A generation ago, we'd have never believed it. But if all these things are happening now, all these things that God said were going to happen, rapture is surely close. And the whole point of this is to ask you and me, are you ready? Are you ready for this to happen? Are you ready for the return of Christ? In other words, are, is your life what you know it should be? Second question you ask yourself, are your friends and your family ready for that moment? Once the church is gone, for a long time, there's not going to be any Christian witness to the people that are left here to go through that tribulation. As Christians, our goal is to not let people go through that tribulation. Our goal is to introduce them to Jesus, to allow them to have eternal life like we do, escape the tribulation that's coming, God's judgment on the world. Our job is to share with them what we already have. And the question I guess I'm asking you, as I said before, are you ready? Now the Bible tells us we can be sure. The Bible says these things are written that you may know. You have eternal life. If you're not sure, if you're not sure where you stand with God, the Bible says you can make that assurance by just believing in what Jesus did. And it's it's easy, it's, it's simple. It's not a big drawn out process. It's not a lot of hard work. In fact, the Bible tells us it's plain and it's easy. The Bible tells us we're all sinners, and I think all of us can agree we're sinners. We don't do everything perfect. We, we sin. It's, it's, it's a matter of fact. But what we don't understand is our sin keeps us from God. There's no sin that can enter into God's presence. So if we have one sin, we can't enter into God's presence. But the good news, the Bible tells us, good news literally means the gospel, the good news is Jesus came and paid that debt for you. You had a debt. You owed God for your life. You sinned. Jesus said to the judge, hey, look, I'll pay it. I'll take his punishment for him, for me, you. So he died. He suffered the agony on the cross for me. That's what I should have suffered. That's what each one of us should suffer because of our sin. But Jesus says, I'll do it for everybody. I'll do it. I'll take their pain. I'll take their punishment for them. And the only thing I ask them is to believe it and to receive what I've already given them. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, believe in your heart, not in your head. A lot of people believe that Jesus lived, but not a lot of people have accepted Christ's truth in their heart. If you believe God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved for it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. The Bible says that out of that mouth comes the issues of the heart. So if you believe it, you're going to speak it. Now, this isn't, this isn't a scare attack. This is just a recognition of what's going on in the world today and how it relates to what God said was going to happen. These things are true. I really believe they are. And the return of Christ is also true. And everyone needs to be prepared for it. So I'm going to ask you now, before we close, I'm going to close in prayer. If you're listening to this and you already know Christ, and you're already ready for his return, praise God, I'm, I'm happy for you. Our job now is to continue to let other people know of what we've already received, the grace and mercy we've received. If you don't know Christ, if you're watching this and you're on the fence, you're not sure, 
You've been a churchgoer, but you're not really sure where you stand with Jesus. The Bible says if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you want to do that, you want to make sure you're ready for the return of Christ, so you're not left behind to endure the tribulation. You want to be sure that you make it into God's kingdom when He returns, which could be before I finish this sermon, He could return. Before you watch it on Sunday morning, He could return. That's you and you want to, you want to really make sure you're right with God. I'm going to pray with you right now. Would you just bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for all those who are watching this video this morning. I thank you for how you've worked in their lives and I thank you for allowing us to share your truth with them. And I pray right now that your Holy Spirit continues to minister to them. You allow them to see and feel the presence of Christ in their life and know that their relationship is real. And for those that don't know you, those who are unsure, I pray that you're, you would make yourself real to them right now. Allow them to ask for your forgiveness and allow them to receive the free gift of salvation that you offer by simply believing that what Jesus said was true, that he was God. He was sent to earth to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be right with God. In other words, when God looks at our checkbook, God looks at our debit card and he sees all these bills and all these things that we owe, all these things that we've done, it's going to be stamped, paid in full, paid in full by Jesus. Your life is now right with God if you've trusted him as your Savior. Father, I commit each of these folks to you. I pray your blessings upon them. Keep them safe and secure during the remainder of this this virus outbreak and allow us to trust you for what's going to happen in the future. We trust you, Lord, through this situation. And Lord, we commit our lives to serving you the best we can. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glad you're able to join us this morning. We pray God's continued blessings upon you this week. And as long as this, this virus thing continues, I pray God gives you strength and peace through it all. 